0: And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today?
1: Well, Lloyd, today our show is about something that you know is very dear to my heart, and that's protecting your identity. But today we're going to be talking about protecting your identity When you're on the Internet and the name of this book that I've just been reading is called Protecting Your Internet Identity. And so it has a very provocative question on the front of the book. It's called it says, Are You Naked Online? And it has this woman looking pretty terrified uh, as she's on the Internet because she probably saw that she is naked online. So let me tell you a little bit about our wonderful guest, who is the co-author of this great book. His name is Ted Claypool, and he is a partner with the law firm of Womble Carlyle. And he is the senior member of the intellectual property transaction team and leader of its privacy and data management team. He consults with clients on internet, media, and data issues, and prepares business processing uh, for outsourcing. He also deals with cloud computing, mobile application, and electronic commerce agreements for all types of companies. Now, prior to joining his law firm, Ted served as in-house e-commerce and technology counsel for the Bank of America. And he was in-house counsel for CompuServe, Inc. He has a very strong commitment to the legal and technology community. And in fact, he co-chairs the Cyberspace Mobile Commerce Subcommittee in the business law section of the American Bar Association, where he previously co-chaired the Privacy and Data Security Subcommittee. He's done so many things, but I want to have enough time to talk with him about this great book. And this book is called Protecting Your Internet Identity, Are You Naked Online? His newest book that's going to be coming out very soon is called Everyday Technology Steals Your Privacy. So we have a wonderful privacy expert and one that is close to my heart. And we're just so thrilled that he is joining us all the way from the East Coast. Ted, thank you so much for joining us.
0: Thank you, Mari. I really appreciate you having me.
1: So, Ted, how is it that you and your co-author decided to write this book?
0: Well, it's interesting because my my co-author, Teresa Payton, was the um, chief information officer at the White House um, a while back, several years back. And um, she and I were both looking for projects that we might work on separately, um, but decided that, that with... Um, my understanding of, of the way that the laws work in this space and of sort of technology and society and her deeper understanding of the technology um, that we thought, you know, it might be a good thing to write for our grandmothers and mothers <laughs> and people that may not uh, may not know quite as much about how to protect themselves online.
1: It's terrific. I know you do, you write a lot of things for attorneys, but you know what I've learned? A lot of attorneys don't even know this and uh many people in the in that aren't IT people don't really understand how vulnerable they really are online right
0: oh no question i mean it's it's fascinating to me um the people that are highly sophisticated in many ways won't um you know have no idea that that what they're doing whenever they write something online is a a publication yes. i mean one of the one of the stories we talk about in the book is is a perfect example of that when uh Britain named a new spymaster, a new uh, head of MI6. Um, it turned out that his wife had a Facebook page. And you could find out where he or she were at any given moment, where their kids were, what their you know, interests were, where they vacationed, who their friends were. You know, I mean, that's not the kind of stuff that in, if you're in his position, you want to be publishing so the whole world can see. But they were.
1: Exactly, exactly. And, and people forget when they're online what they're doing. They think that, that you're, they're just talking to their friends, but actually they can be talking to the whole world and they don't even recognize it.
0: Well, there's a casual informality that pops up and you, you just get comfortable with it. And the truth is you are actually writing to everybody.
1: Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about um, what is a digital persona and, and why is it so important?
0: Well, we, we we give it a number of different names. Digital persona, I think, is a, is a good way to think about it in that um, it's you, but it's not you, um, just, just like uh, many other persona. Um, in this case, it is the you that people find by looking online um, and Googling you and finding out other information that's out there about you. It may be various pictures, um, it may be all the things that you're saying about yourself, but it may be things that friends are saying. and may be times you've got in the newspaper um, that that have popped up online. Um, it is just simply all of those, the collection of all of the things that are about you online.
1: Exactly. And, you know, young people forget about that when they're looking for a job that anybody can look, you know, if they don't really close their their Facebook page, or they're not really careful about what they put up there, you know, these drunken pictures, and uh, they could end up not even getting a job. Isn't that true?
0: Oh, absolutely. And part of the issue is, it's easier to be careful about your own stuff. Um, But, you know, if you're in a group, if you're in a fraternity or sorority in college, if you're in, you know, a big group of friends in grad school, you know, it's quite probable that there are pictures up about you showing you in social situations that and and by that I can mean drinking or as Michael Phelps found um right you know using a bong in a certain situation um and he lost a number of endorsements because of that and he didn't take that picture somebody else took that picture and they posted it and they um and and they noted that it was him in the picture. And that's that's one of the big issues is it's not just the things you are putting out there but you know there are literally more than a million pictures a day going up on Facebook yes. every day.
1: And videos too.
0: Videos and and all sorts of things and I mean I'm I'm lucky in a way, Mari, cuz I'm old. And I think back of some of the pictures that were taken of me in college. Um, particularly the one Batman costume I'm thinking about. But I'm glad that those don't exist anymore. But but if you're growing up now, if you're in, in this day and age, you're a, a essentially a digital native who's always grown up with the uh with the computer and the internet, um, there's really no escaping it. So there there's stuff out there about you um that uh that you didn't put out there. And when people see it, that's what they think about. You know, that's who they think you are. That's your persona to them.
1: And, and you know, Ted, it could even happen to us. Let's say we're at, a, you know, a conference, a privacy conference, and we happen yep. to talk to somebody, and the, we don't even really know them that when we're talking to them, and then they put up uh, that picture that makes it look like we're good buddies, and maybe there's someone we wouldn't want to be associated with, you know?
0: Absolutely. And, well, and I don't so take it, could, it one step further, Mari. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's perfectly appropriate if, if you know, uh, you and your loved one go to the beach for a week this summer, um, that you're there in, in a bathing suit because that's what you're there in at the beach. Exactly. On the other hand, if there are a bunch of pictures of you up on the web in bathing suits, that may hinder your professionalism. Yes. Um, Or the way that judges look at you if you go to argue in court.
1: Exactly. And remember, there was that whole issue with Kaczynski. Remember the the federal judge? There was stuff up on the Internet that made him look bad, but it was really his family. So even federal judges, I mean, we see this with everyone. I mean, is there ever going to be any forgetting of this kind of stuff? I mean, where are we going with all this? Because so much of this can happen, like you said, beyond our control. Even if you don't have a Facebook page, you can be all over the Internet in a YouTube or in somebody else's Facebook. What do you do about that?
0: Well, there are there are common places you would be. I mean, that's one of the things that we talk about in our book. Mm -hmm. You know, if you've ever been arrested, um, it's likely that you're on the Internet. Right. Um, you know, if you uh, you know, if you've joined certain organizations, they put everybody's name on the Internet. I mean, there's there's a lot of pieces of your life that will work their way on there that really have nothing to do with with you. And there are some things you can do about it. Now, we don't have what the French would like because they have talked for a long time about having the the right to be forgotten.
1: Right. And,
0: and there is no such right, as you well know. Um, at least in the United States, to remove everything uh, from the net. But um, there are things you can do to clean clean yourself up, clean up that Internet persona, and, uh, and make it look the way you want it to look.
1: Right. So let's talk a little bit about that. You know, I know I had these guys on, uh, the CEO of... Um, Reputation defender. I think right. now they just call themselves reputation now. But I've had a couple of the people. I had the CEO and I had the general consul, and we talked about how you you know you really can't erase everything. You can only create new stuff that buries the old stuff. You can't really get rid of it forever. So, well, it
0: depends. There's some. There's some that you can, and there's some that you can't. And but but you also have to keep in mind that some of that is is out there forever. I mean, I think that you know, my co-author frequently says you know, that, that digital means forever. Well, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but keep in mind that, for example, all um, public Twitter tweets yes. are being saved by the Library of Congress. Right. So all of that is being saved. And there's, uh, there's, there's an uh, um, interesting site that's based out of San Francisco called the Internet Archive. Um, which is also known to insiders as the Wayback Machine, because it it allows you to uh, um, to go back and see what somebody's website looked like in 2003. Mm. So if you were on the company's website in 2003, or 2005, or 2001. You know then somebody can go back and find that information in the wayback machine it only it saves one copy a month mm. of a number of different sites and not every site on the internet but but a whole lot of them so there are there are things that are out there all the time, but the other thing to remember is there are places you can go and take stuff down and ask them to take things down or ask your friends to remove certain pictures if you find them. To be problematic. To yeah. say I'm going out for a job interview. Yeah. You've you've got that picture of me, you know, looking very strange. Um, you know, why could you please take that down? Because I really don't want somebody to find it when um, if they're if they go looking for me um, on this job search.
1: Yes. I mean, that that's maybe a little easier if you're still friends with that person and they're willing to do that. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm thinking I remember a a couple of times people would contact me with their identity theft online. I had a woman whose face was put on like a like Adobe and put on a, a naked body on a German website making her yes and it was heck if they kept saying well this is really you they didn't want to take it down we finally got that down but then um, it it was harder for her on websites that were in this country you know the websites were refusing to do it And so um, it it is a challenge, and especially if something is real. There was another woman who called me that she used to be part of an organization that would not look good for her to get the job and the type of job that she wanted to get. And she said, you know, that was 15 years ago. I've changed. I've grown up. I'm not into that. And they won't take it down because they said it was true that at that time, I did belong to that organization. And she lost the the opportunity to get the job.
0: Yep. And And I'm not surprised. I mean, but there are... You know the, there are often things you can do but but there are also plenty of sites out there that their entire reason is to be controversial yes um and they're not interested at all in taking down controversial material because it helps you so yeah don't let me overstate that i mean i would i would say that it is generally worth trying absolutely at
1: least, to get yeah.
0: something removed but you're not always going to be able to do it and you're right from the folks from defender.com are absolutely on target when they say that one of the best things to do is to keep in mind that almost nobody, you know, tests show that almost nobody goes more than seven pages down yes. on a Google search. Right. And, and, and and less than something like three, 3% three go more than two or three pages.
1: Yeah, yeah. So if, if you can you have, get that information
0: pushed way down yes. in any search for you, um, and the, one of the ways you do that is by creating information that pops up high on searches for you, Yes. Um, then it, you make it much less likely that anybody's going to find the embarrassing problems.
1: Right, right. I know as uh, I often serve as an expert witness on privacy cases, and I know they go way back. They look for every little thing, and it's uh, sometimes they do stuff that they shouldn't even do. Like you know, they shouldn't be doing a background check on me on my credit score right, <laughs>
0: right. and other things.
1: But they've I've oh, actually had legal. that happen, believe it or not. I mean, it was. I and then to to ask me some questions that were clearly a violation of privacy were very interesting for me to answer about. But um, we won't go there. Let's let's think about all of these parents that might be listening as they're driving by, they're probably frightened to death, Ted. W- what can they do to protect their kids online?
0: Well, I mean, I think some of it is how you um, historically have treated your kids online. <clears throat> I mean, what you allow them to do, when you allow them to be on. Um, you know, I think uh, um, a number of the you know pe- people address this different ways, but you're not supposed to have a Facebook page until you're at least 13. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, now you know people lie about their age, and I understand that. Um, but there are a number of things that you can do. Uh, one of the things that um, I think it's a lot—it's a lot harder now that everything is so mobile. But one of the things that we always did in our household was that you were only allowed to be on the internet in in. The public rooms of the house,
1: right, a, right? Until
0: they were a certain age,
1: right? Um,
0: and that way, you know, the the child knows that at any point the parent could be over shoulder, pos, is right? The, <laughs> um, but but that also keeps people honest when they when they know, and um, you know, it also you know either it helps to put on uh, um, sort of net nanny software that keeps your kids from visiting certain places, and keeps a record of where they are visiting, and just check up on it every now and then.
1: What so, do we do about all this mobile stuff? Like, everybody I know has a phone that they can go on the Internet right on their phone. And the kids, you know, parents, understandably, are now more willing to let their kids take a phone with them when they're going out with friends so that they can call in case of an emergency.
0: Right. So, well, but that doesn't mean they need a smartphone. Right. Right. You know, and that's the thing. I mean, I, I know that lots of people want to be able to tell you that, you know, having having the right phone is the appropriate fashion accessory. Um, <laughs> right. But I it's not. It's yeah. a phone, especially if you're giving it to a 10-year-old.
1: Exactly. Um,
0: and they could have, you know, what is commonly known as a burner phone um because they they're untraceable but they're also relatively cheap and they're easy to use and or they can have the kind of phone that you you know you you have bought a certain amount of time on and that's it um and and then they can use that you know for emergencies but it doesn't mean that they you know that they have access to the internet with it so right. i think that's one of the big things is is resist the whining yeah. um, where you can and and You know, make sure you are the parent when it comes to being online.
1: Yes. And then all these kids have iPads. You know, they take them to school and they've got iPads. And then, of course, they have (laughs) access. If they're allowed
0: to... to take them to school. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, some of the schools are actually distributing iPads. Yep. Yep, and um, if, for kids that uh, you know they're doing it right now, in Orange County and some of the the lower income schools that they're doing that so that the kids can can have access and they're getting grants to give these kids iPads. So, well,
0: but once again, those have Net Nanny software right. on them. Yes, um, now that doesn't necessarily stop kids from contacting people they shouldn't contact or having you know email accounts that do that online or texting people that they shouldn't or you know, any of that. But I mean, there are there there are software products that you can put on that um, that they can limit the access of what your kid sees.
1: Exactly. We are speaking today with a wonderful attorney from the East Coast, from North Carolina. His name is Ted Claypool, and he wrote he is the co-author of this book with Teresa Payton, and it's called Protecting Your Internet Identity. Are you naked online? That's, you know, it's pretty scary to think about being as naked online as that uh, and all the things that can happen to you. Is there any way at all, Ted, for us to be anonymous online?
0: Well, the, yes, actually, there are a number of ways. Although, Maria, you'll find this interesting. I, I, I thought it was uh, fascinating that one of the interesting things that came out of, uh, of the uh, Edward Snowden releases yeah. Um, were, was a statement that the uh, um, the NSA is much more likely to be looking at you if they know you're using an anonymizer <laughs> or or some sort of a you know some sort of a uh, tool,
1: right? You're that suspicious. makes
0: sure it makes it look like you're coming in from someplace else, or that makes you more anonymous. So. Right. That makes that obviously it peaks the attention of uh, apparently of the national security agency and then probably the FBI and anybody else that's looking. Um, so then you look it, a
1: lot more suspicious because it looks like you're trying to hide something, right? It,
0: exactly, exactly. Because there's there are certain uh, several sets of types of people that use those things, and fortunately or unfortunately, one one of them is uh criminals and and terrorists and other people that want to keep their their information as secret as possible, and so law enforcement looks precisely to those things, so if you're using them, it's not you know you're you you are not necessarily going to be thought of as a criminal, but you're jumping into the pool with them right so um, you They're know going that... to look
1: at you. They're going to look at you more carefully. Exactly. So you know, you and I both really care about privacy and technology, and that's something that that we look into. And we hear some people say, "Oh, there is no such thing as privacy anymore." And you know, when you were talking about the NSA collecting everything, and before that, there was that quote, "Total information awareness," and yep. and uh, Big Brother watching us everywhere we go. <laughs> so, um. Is there such a thing, and do we have a right of privacy?
0: Very interesting question. <laughs> um, I think some of it depends on where you are. Um, you know, it's uh, in, in the the short answer is yes, and you have much more right of privacy than a lot of people would lead you to believe. Um, and you know, a, a good Californian, Scott McNeely, made that that particular comment back in the 90s. Yeah, get
1: over it. <laughs> yeah, you
0: have no privacy, get over it. But, but the truth is it's very self-serving yes. for a company like his, which is Sun Microsystem, or for Google or Facebook or one of the others to say that because they want you to essentially abandon your privacy. Right. So if they can make you feel like you don't have any, then, then they're going to get more information from you. Yes. Um, so when, you know, I always I take it with, with a grain of salt when a tech executive says something <laughs> like that. Get um, over
1: it. Yeah. But but I remember when, um, you know, Facebook, when what's his name? Uh, Mark Zuckerberg got married and then he didn't want all his pictures up. You know, it's OK for everybody else to reveal their privacy. But he was upset that his wedding pictures were up. Remember that?
0: So highly ironic. isn't it? I mean, yeah, yeah they and, and and that it. It's true for I, I've also heard that about Sergey Brin as well. Um, with Google, is that yeah. you know he gets frustrated with people who are trying to assert their privacy, yet he wants his as well.
1: Right, right.
0: Um, but but that's the I mean the short answer to your question is there are a number of areas within the United States laws. <clears throat> that do protect your information. They, but they tend to be within specific types of information. Right. Um, so they protect healthcare information. They protect information about children. They protect certain of your financial information. Right. Um, but that doesn't include everything. And in other countries, I mean, like the European Union and Canada and Mexico and other places. Um, other, a number of other industrialized countries, right. um, your Australia, privacy yeah. is yeah. considered a human right, right. Um, that, that you only can, can choose to give up, um, and people can't just take your information and run with it. And one of the interesting things, Mari, that, that uh, we hear is that, you know, you know how, how people always say that, oh, the younger people right now don't care about their privacy at all. Um, and it sort of looks that way sometimes. Right. Um, but the, but studies have shown that people under 25 do care about their privacy, but they think that they're being protected Yes, by business and by the law. And the truth is they're not, generally.
1: I think, and that's really true, I think what happens is they're so excited. Because I have kids, you know, that are just mm-hmm. about that age, and I know that they get so excited by all the new stuff the technology, and they feel so empowered that they can you know, communicate with people all over the world. They can see what they want. They can compare prices. They get all excited about that, and they don't even recognize the ramifications. But then when their privacy is invaded, all of a sudden they're in shock because, like you said, Ted, they think that they're protected.
0: Right. Here it is, and it's too late. I mean, but they assume yes. that the government has laws about this, and they have laws about some of it. Um, but not as much as you might imagine. but and that brings up the a, a bigger issue, which is we could. we could have more protective laws. Yes, you know, the state of California is actually doing a better job right now. Um,
1: now remember, we were the state that had the very first office of privacy protection. There's one other state, Wisconsin and then we actually lost it to funding, but now it's actually in um, our Attorney General's office. I was going to say, Attorney yeah. General
0: Harris has yeah. been has been very aggressive in this space. Um, and as, she adopted. A, several she actually, Attorney Generals.
1: Yeah, she adopted, actually, the old Office of Privacy Protection. When the doors got closed, she adopted and, and put it into her, uh, you know, if you know Joan McNabb, she actually adopted her and put her in, and she was the director of the Office of Privacy Protection. So... Yeah, I mean, that's why California, I'm really proud to say, is really the one of the most privacy-protected um, states in, in our country.
0: Absolutely. But one of the things that's interesting that we need to be careful of is um, all our laws, when they do protect us, even the ones, I mean, the written laws that protect us tend to protect around what they call personally identifiable information. Right. Um, and... And what that usually means depending on the state or the government that's doing it is your name or your address your phone number plus an account number, something that you know that that would identify you and would identify something um, private about you hmm however something that that people don't really understand is that True personally identifiable information is a is a mathematical concept. Right. It's not something that you can just say this is personally identifiable and this isn't. Um, there was a uh, academic study done not too long ago um, by the good folks up at Berkeley as well as University of Pennsylvania where they. Um, they essentially came to the conclusion that they could discover the name, the actual name, of 85% of the American public with just three bits of information about them. Yes. And those those pieces of information were zip code, gender, and birth date. Mm-hmm and they just have those three pieces of information, they could discover 85% of the U.S. public based on that that data. Well, just think about that. That's just three pieces of information. How many pieces of information do you think Google is collecting about you every time you're online or, um, you know, even your cell phone provider?
1: Right. And then what happens is they make these big dossiers on you. So they start out with these three things, and then they have everything. That's precisely right. Well, we are out of time. Do you believe that? Oh, gosh, I could talk to you all day. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> but I just want to uh, give the name of your book again. And this is Protecting Your Internet Identity. Are You Naked Online? By Ted Claypool, who we're on the phone with, and his co-author, Teresa Payton. And why don't you give your website? And we're going to have you back again with your new book.
0: Oh, that that would be great. I think it comes out next year. All um, right. And uh, the website is wcsr.com.
1: Well, thank you so much, Ted. And I hope we get to see each other soon in uh, in maybe in DC. Thank you so I hope much.
0: So. Thank you.
1: Have a great day. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. right here in KUCI and visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy where you can see our upcoming guests, download podcasts, and write us about what's of concern to you about privacy and the information age. Thanks.
0: The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.